Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast with me, Scott Challoner. The podcast, just like the Leaders' Council itself, is all about recognising and celebrating the people who keep this country running. We exist to give leaders a voice outside of their own organisation and to support them in the same way they support their own staff every single day of the week. If you are in a leadership position yourself and would like to have your voice heard on the national stage, please go to leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. Joining me on today's programme on a cloudy autumn day in the capital is Richard Weir. Richard is the founder and managing director of Interfacio, a specialist global recruitment service for pro audio and media technology. Uh, Richard, very warm welcome to yourself and thank you ever so much for taking the time to join us on the programme. Good morning, Scott. Thanks for thanks for inviting me. It's a real pleasure to welcome you onto the airwaves with us. Um, normally, we dive straight into the subjects of leadership, but considering the ongoing COVID nineteen situation, I feel it's appropriate that we start there because it's proven to be a significant challenge for leaders within all walks of life. Um, but just to what extent has it affected you and your operations at Interfacio? Well, in actual fact, quite quite significantly, um, Interfacio predominantly serves technology manufacturers who service the media and entertainment technology business. And a significant part of what we do is working with client companies and brands who serve the live entertainment sector. So manufacturers of sound, lighting, uh, and related equipment for for shows, theater, and concerts. As you can quite imagine, um, that, that market, that sector, was probably one of the first to switch off, uh, pretty much the light switched off overnight. Um, and it will be one of the last sectors to switch back on again. Um, the, the, the whole live entertainment sector is, is tremendously impacted by, by COVID. Um, millions of workers in the space, uh, even just in the UK, uh, there's been quite a lot of um, visibility recently on some of the, the campaigning events around We Make Events, the Light It Red days that have happened in the capital we're trying very hard to continue um, servicing our client base and, and more importantly, our candidate base around the world. Uh, many people work directly or indirectly in that supply chain of live events. Uh, so it's particularly pertinent. Um, and, and a lot of what we're doing now is helping and supporting individuals who are either worried or already um, not working due, due to the closure of that sector. The worrying thing about that industry is the fact that even when, say, we fast forward one or two years and hopefully by then COVID-19 is no longer an issue because we have a working vaccine, the anxiety that will have come about as a result of this and the time it will take for consumer confidence to return in that industry, people to venture out in large groups again, that is going to take some time yet, isn't it? It is. um, And there's, there's two concerns about that, I think. One is, yes, people's reticence to get back into public spaces. I think the, the great consolation, and we saw this a bit actually back in the financial recession of 2008, 9, 10, uh, one, of the, one of the sectors that ironically didn't get hugely impacted at the time was, was live events and concerts. Um, and, and what that tells you is that you know, human, human beings and, and our desire for um, engagement and entertainment and connection with something really important at an emotional level which is often music or theater, is, is very much innate in us. And people will go back as soon as they can to intimate or larger venues for entertainment. 
the so, so that's that's a positive. But yes, it's a long time until we can see the, the norm coming back in terms of festivals and concerts on the scale that they need to exist to be economically viable and sustainable. The other concern, which is almost more fundamental and, and for us as a, as a recruitment and search business is particularly pertinent. The talent that is in those markets, a lot of which is freelance, um, whether it's lighting techs or sound, sound mixers, sound engineers, um, roadies, riggers, caterers, security people, a lot of them are freelance. And it's very hard for them to sustain and survive with literally no work, with, with the lights switched off in their industry. Mm. And, and many of them will be forced to go off and find other things to do to, to, to find their own livelihood. And, and then it'll be hard to switch those um, services and those expertise and that talent back on again quickly. It's certainly going to be a challenging time for the industry. That certainly is uh, for sure over the year, the next few months, even when it is allowed to return. Um, reflecting just on the, the last few months, um, however, Richard, um, we are trying to find some positive in what has been a dark and dense cloud over all of us. So is there anything positive that you can take from this in that perhaps this experience of crisis management has maybe taught you something in your leadership capacity? Yes, I think very much. And, and we, we actually ran a survey early on in uh, around May time um, to the whole of our, our industry and client base. So it was a global survey, not in the UK, um, asking asking about um, how they were being affected and what their outlook was and what their actions that they were taking, including staff training and support, um, possibly in addition to what they might otherwise have done. But one of the questions towards the end was, was what is this most like for you as a business leader or, or, or a manager? Mm. And, and a lot of people came back and said, it, it's surprisingly like the time that I started up in business, that I started in a new job. So that kind of startup mentality introduces a, a, almost a sort of heightened sense of um, drive and creativity. Um, perhaps it's adrenaline fueled, perhaps it's it's fueled by the, the stress and the anxiety of, of, of what's been going on. But I think as a business owner and a business leader, we, we've been encouraged to look right back to the roots of our business and to look at our team and how we can uh, support them, how we can encourage them to, to develop themselves and, and, and get the best of their own capability and performance. Uh, we spent the first few weeks and months looking at how do we continue to engage with our market and our customers when there is literally no business to be done? Mm. I mean, you can imagine recruitment in, in any market in the last few months has been very, very quiet. In our market, it's been, it's been non-existent and will be for some time. But interestingly, as we started to come back, we sort of contained the initial shock of, of, of the problem. And luckily, as, as, a, as a business that's got a good history and we've had some very good successful growth years, we're in a position to hopefully um, – weather the storm as best we can. As we've come back and we started to bring staff back from the furlough scheme, which was you know essential for us and, and many other businesses, what we're seeing is our, our individual team members almost coming back with a fresh sense of uh, focus and energy and need to be extremely e efficient, but also creative and, and kind of embracing the, the challenge of making a business work, but also embracing the opportunity to engage at a higher level with, with our candidates or our clients. And that's a very sort of positive um, 
connecting force, I mm. think, which, which, which is very encouraging to see. It is good that people have really stood up and been counted during this time. And as you say, leaders have really sort of channeled that entrepreneurial spirit and have stepped up as beacons of not just inspiration and motivation for their staff, but also reassurance as well during this time that despite all of the uncertainty and all of the worry, we are going to keep working and things are going to be absolutely fine for as long as we can make them be that way. Um, just in terms of that approaching it from that point of view, just how has it been managing your own sort of mental health during this period, as well as that of the staff that work around you? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I, I, there have been, you know, ups and downs, but I, but I think for me, for me as a owner of a small business and, and the founder of that business some time ago now, it was 18 years ago, Interfacio started, um, there's been plenty to, to, to occupy my time. Um, mm. Sometimes looking back, it felt like I was working extremely hard, a bit like a hamster in a wheel. And, and, and you look back and you go, I'm not quite sure what I was achieving. Um, but, you know, we were, we were looking very hard in the early days, uh, as I said, content and engagement. Uh, then we turned our, our, our attention to engaging and supporting and, and, and trying to nurture as best we can our team. Um, Interface, who has two directors, shareholders, the other, in fact, is, is my wife, Isabel, who started as a client of the company. Um, she wasn't involved at the beginning, but but we met through the industry that we work in. Um, she's one of our other delivering consultants on the recruitment side. Interestingly, she's been inspired through this to, to turn our attention a little bit towards supporting programs that can help teams and individuals, not just direct recruitment services. But certainly, I suppose my activity changed to be much more uh, tactical and, and sort of at the coalface of, of the day-to-day uh, marketing and content uh, initiation, mm-hmm. whereas before, I was probably focused more on managing the business and, and more of the sort of fiscal and administrative aspects of, of being a managing director, um, as well as being a, a recruitment uh, consultant. So, so, so my activity has changed a little bit, but I think my own... Um, dare I say, it, you know, mental health has, has been relatively protected by the fact that I've been able to keep busy. I think mm. for other members of our team and our, and our company who were furloughed from April until the end of June and then have been coming back gradually on the flexible furlough scheme since then, it, it's been quite challenging. And, and I, I know at least two of our team came back to work after three months and said, I don't, I don't quite know how I feel about this. It feels like I'm coming back to work for the first time. I'm starting a new job. Now, I've almost forgotten what, what working is like. So you have to be very, I think, sensitive to that in terms of the individuals in the team. And of course, everyone's different. So people have their own individual experiences as well as their own personal stories of, of things that have been happening outside of mm. work. So, so it, it's, um, it, it's been challenging, but I suppose also uh, inspiring and interesting because these are things that we haven't really had to think about so hard previously. It is a whole new challenge. You're absolutely right. And uh, just going back to sort of what you said uh, before about how over the years um, your sort of focus in running the business has changed to sort of different elements of the uh, the company. Um, it might seem like a little bit of a mean question, this, but if you could go back to um, the time when you were getting into Fasio up and running, is there anything that you would do differently armed with the experience that you have now? Golly, uh, that's a, a tricky question on the spot. Um, interestingly, I, I got into the recruitment 
business, having never worked as a recruiter before. Mm. I, my career before was in sales and marketing and general management. So I started very much from first principles and, and almost wanting to design and engineer a recruitment service for a very specialist industry that wasn't itself used to using corporate uh, blue chip recruitment or high street executive search services. Um, so a glib answer is, you know, I, I, I do differently the things that it took me six or seven years to learn, which, which some people who start a business know before they start. Um, I, I think the, the premise of what we do has not really changed. You know, we're very much about um, engaging with a market that we understand and providing a service that we can really add particular value outside of just the recruitment mechanics, but about having real insight and strategic understanding of our customers. But the biggest single thing and the reason we do what we do and why we're, we're, we're driven to do it is that we're looking to help individuals progress their own careers. So talking to people, understanding who they are, what makes them tick, and helping them find their next right opportunity. And that sort of career counseling piece has always been at the center of what we do, but also why we do it. And honestly, although technology's changed in 18 years, when we started the business, Facebook didn't exist, LinkedIn didn't exist. You know, it was a very different process mechanically. The fundamental principles of it's a very human process you know, recruitment is, is very much about people. It's quite commercial, um, but it's also about helping people find the right ways to, to design and, and direct their own careers and their own journey. And it's about making sure that culturally, individuals and companies fit together. That Those are the two basic principles, and that hasn't changed and won't change. And um, just for those younger generations of listeners that might be tuning into this, who may be a little bit downbeat about the current situation, the impact on the economy and on their employment prospects, these are the next generation of entrepreneurs in the UK. So what is your message to them to really get them on the road to success during this time? Well, I think it, 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 in principle, it's the same message as it would be otherwise, but it's, it's ask questions, try things, gain experience, what you do today won't necessarily block what you end up doing in 15 years or even three years. Uh, whatever you do, do it well, do it properly, do it with enthusiasm and learn. Remember to ask questions. People are always happy to, to, to educate and support and encourage. And, and, and I, we, we do a lot of work interacting with young people either at school or university or postgrad level. And, and we see this all the time, you know, enthusiasm and interest. And, and a, a desire to gain experience is so valuable. Um, try things out. If it doesn't feel right, it probably isn't the right thing to do, but, but don't stop trying and don't stop asking questions. This will bounce back. When it bounces back, the, the, the world, the economy, the sectors, including our sector, will be as busy as ever, and there will be opportunities out there. It, it's tough at the moment, and I, and I feel particularly for those just starting out in their studies, uh, we see a lot of coverage at the moment about universities and how hard that is. Um, hopefully, you know, young people are resilient like like, like everyone. Human nature is, is resilient and, and they will get through this. And in another six, nine, 12 months, hopefully we'll be able to see you know, a bit more light at the end of the tunnel. 
Hopefully so. And um, it is um, great that you mentioned the L word there, Richard, learning, because what the Interfacio story has also told her this morning is that leadership itself is a constant process of learning. Whether we're young, whether we're old, whatever role we're in, we never stop. It's a constant process of development and improvement. And people would do very, very well to uh, remember that. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, (laughs) at every stage in life. And thinking about the future now, having reflected on the past, I do want to talk about that just before we do wrap things up on the programme, because I'm conscious that we are short of time. Um, we know that over yeah. the course of the uh, the next uh, year or so, we're going to have to keep adjusting to COVID-19, the impact of the uh, the outbreak, until there is hopefully a working vaccine or a cure for the virus. But during this quite challenging period, what is it at Interfacio that you're really hoping to achieve? And where do you see yourselves being this time in 12 months? Well, I think I think we continue to continue to do what we do. Obviously, the, the nature of recruiting at any level has changed slightly. There's a lot of remote uh, recruitment and interviewing, onboarding. Um, we haven't yet personally been involved in a situation where someone's been offered a job without any actual face-to-face meeting, but I dare say that'll start to happen. So we've got to adapt our processes, and we already work with clients and candidates who are often thousands of miles apart. Um, more fundamentally, though, I think one of the things we're going to see in, in the labor market in general, and particularly our industry and specialist technology or B2B sectors, is the, the move and, and the look towards um, temporary or contract engagement. So, so extending the concept of interim almost almost to another level so that certain roles, whether it be business delivery roles or engineering or product development, are looked at possibly by employers where they might be more open to hiring on a contract basis for short, medium-term uh, project delivery. And we are certainly looking to address that and service that demand, uh, which will be a new um, a new element of our business. And I think it will naturally be a, a key part of uh, the employment uh, um, market and ecosystem over the next 6, 12, 18 months. Certainly going to be an interesting time for sure. And just given how enlightening it's been welcoming you onto the programme, Richard, to hear your views this morning, I think it would be wonderful at some point in the next year to just catch up and have you back on our show just to see how things are coming along, not just at Interfacio, but also industry-wide. And we can also reassess at that point in time just how far the UK has come as a country since then and what's happening in the global market. Well, that would be a real pleasure, Scott. I, I, I'm looking forward to it already, and I hope that we'll have a, a great story to tell about how the, particularly the live events business has worked through and come back and, and starting to recover. I certainly hope so, Richard. And likewise, it's been a real pleasure to have you on our programme today. I've thoroughly enjoyed your company. And most importantly, until we do speak um, again in future, please do take care and stay safe with everything still going on as well. Thank you. You too, Scott. I would also reiterate that message to every single one of our listeners tuning in today. Do please continue to be considerate of others and look after yourselves because it does make a real difference in saving lives. Um, It was a pleasure to welcome Richard Weir, founder and managing director of Interfacio, onto today's programme. This has been the Leaders' Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence in leadership with us. I've been your host, Scott Chaloner. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, or other guests of any other person therein associated.